0: Recode Radio presents Recode Decode, hosted by Kara Swisher, powered by digital media. I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode, and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about tech and media's key players, big ideas, and how they're changing the world we live in. This is our special weekly segment with host Peter Kafka, Recode's senior editor and producer of the Code Media Conference. Joining Peter each week are some of his favorite movers and shakers in the media world. This week, Peter talked to Chet Kenogia, the former founder and CEO of Aereo, a web TV startup that shut down after losing a legal battle that made it to the Supreme Court. Now, Kenogia is back with a new company called Project Decibel. That sounds noisy. Here's Peter. Thanks, Kara. I'm here with Chet Kenogia, who many of you know is the guy behind Aereo, and he's now the guy behind a new company called Starry. He just introduced it a couple hours ago, and I want to thank him for coming up here. Chet, we can talk about Aereo, and we will. But why don't you explain what Starry is, first of all? Uh, So Starry
1: is a pretty big effort that spans, you know, we kind of looked at the market and said, you know, there's an interesting opportunity in providing an end-to-end experience for the consumer for both broadband access and in-home, how you experience that access that you get.
0: I'm going to just stop you there because the main thing you're doing, right, is you want to create a new broadband service that you're going to sell that's going to compete with the existing basically monopoly and duopoly of cable and telco providers.
1: And we believe that sort of the internet of things and the entire experience and stitching all that together is a really interesting opportunity. And I think we'll both kind of go together. You know, we would get calls from people that said, hey, you know, my video is buffering or this or that. And we would say, well, your speed seems to be okay. And we realized that in home propagation was a real problem for most of these people. And that's kind of where the in home
0: propagation is the broadband has got to your house. It's getting stuck works. somewhere exactly. there in the, in the router. So, and, and we can talk about this because you're saying, look, there's two parts of this business there's the broadband and there's this router, or you've got a different term for it, but right. we're thinking of it as a router. But to me, the really big deal is, and you pointed this out at the beginning of your presentation, is. And this has annoyed me, and I've uh, gone on about it a bit. There is effectively no competition for broadband in, in the U.S. I think 70-some percent of the country has one option. Give or take, yep. And then it, maybe there's a small chunk that has a choice between two. Um, where I live in Brooklyn, you would think I would have more options. I have one. And broadband is, you can argue, the most—it's incredibly important, right? It's as important as water, any other utility we get. We don't have any choice over those things. We should have choice over internet. You're saying we can deliver it. Right. To me, that seems like a much bigger deal than even a really good and impressive router.
1: Yeah, that's the big sort of let's try to change the world again kind of a
0: business. So I'm at a severe disadvantage here since I barely know how to turn on my MacBook. <laughs> right. So I can't engage you in the technical discussion, but I do know that what you're saying is, look, we're doing this through fixed wireless broadband, and there are many smart people who say, no, 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 this has been tried before. It doesn't work. There are technical reasons for that. So what is the thing that you guys have figured out that's yeah. going to allow you to to make it work this time?
1: So fixed wireless isn't a new thing, right? It's, it's been around for a fairly long time. I mean, you could sort of argue that, you know, microwave communication sort of really started in the you know, 50s and 60s, and, and fixed wireless has, has been around since then. And, uh, you know, you really sort of have to take a step back and say, you know, there's two parts or three parts to sort of this, this whole story. In the mid-'90s, late-'90s, there was an effort put in collectively by a number of companies to sort of do fixed broadband.
0: And fixed problem means, in, in the most basic terms, means what? Fixed
1: wireless. Right. So if you think about wireless in two categories, mobile wireless, which is typical, you use a mobile phone, right. cellular, things like that, or fixed wireless, which in which the... The client is not moving, is static in a location, and typically for a building or a house or, or things along
0: those lines. Meaning you're beaming it to me at my home it, at a router that's not moving. Correct.
1: I think the, the conventional wisdom that fixed wireless is difficult and has been tried before and does not work is absolutely right. Right, and, and one of the largest examples of that was Clearwire, yeah. that Sprint ultimately acquired or rolled mm-hmm. in or whatever you want to call it. And, you know, when we were starting this, we we said, you know, this has been tried before and hasn't worked. And and there's a bunch of reasons. And we really started cataloging those reasons why it didn't work. And we said we would do this if we could make sure we could, with a certain degree of confidence, say, you know, we had solved for those things. So the first thing is really a technological roadmap question, right? So Clear is a great example of it. And, you know, Intel sort of got behind this whole thing. They created WiMAX which is a totally orthogonal to what the conventional strategy in the marketplace which was either 3G at that point or going to LTE or Wi-Fi on the other side they came up with a completely new radio technology and and the problem in radio technologies or anything in baseband it's just it's bloody expensive right you spend 100 million dollars to develop this thing and then you're the only guy who's making it and it just costs an arm or a leg and and the innovation cycle leaves you in in a dust so you know, by the time it all got said and done, you know, Clear could deliver two, two and a half megabits a second, whereas LTE was pumping, you know, 10, 15, mm-hmm. uh, depending on the coverage. And you're
0: saying, by the way, we're going to be able to deliver gigabit, gigabit speed.
1: So therein lies sort of the first question in our mind was, you know, how do we not get left in the dust? How, do we, how are we part of a innovation cycle that is everybody's together in it? So that was number one. Second... The biggest other big problem in, in fixed wireless has been that historically it's been a point-to-point strategy in which a landlord is involved in some way, shape, or form, right? So that was companies like Telligent and others did that for enterprise solutions, where they would go install like a large dish on top of your roof, and you know then point. And that dish, dish
0: feeds a bunch of different. Uh, then there would be a, you
1: know either a fiber or a coax going inside those things, right? And and what ended up happening was really it was the amount of debt these guys took on, and by the time they could roll the market out, fiber guys came into it, and enterprise was the easiest attack point for fiber because it was large, you know, people were willing to pay $5,000 a month or whatever the connection fee happened to be. And the third has been much more of like a propagation technical challenge, which is You've got things like foliage, rain fade, you know all those various sort of physical
0: elements that rain damage. fade means rain
1: when rain happens, yeah. you know signals attenuate yeah. right so so it, nobody has really had really focused on on solving those now those work in more point to point links so for example, today if you go out and you know you look around you know there are sixty gigahertz links or eighty gigahertz links running, and they're providing core functions like backhaul very, very reliably. So it's not that the technology doesn't work. It's the issue has been how do you solve for the direct-to-consumer question right. in, in that thing.
0: So your plan is going to be we're going to go market by market, and then sort of uh, I was talking to one of your investors said so this is the Google Fiber strategy. Sort of we're going to go into not only just market by market, but neighborhood by neighborhood, and we essentially put down I don't know what the right term would be. Is it a speaker, a transceiver, a yeah. transceiver that's going to serve what three hundred homes at a time, three hundred clients at now a time? The,
1: the starry beams, which are these machines can serve about a two kilometer radius around
0: it. So you get to sort of drop these things in two kilometer radiuses and they will serve all the households in in that area. And so again, without getting in the weeds, because it's not going to help me and maybe it probably won't help the listeners either. What is the thing that you guys figured out? You did this basically in a year, right? Because Aereo stopped in a year and a half. Yeah, a year and a half ago. And you guys started working on this, I guess, sometime right. soon after. So within a year and a half, how did you solve this problem that's bedeviled many people?
1: So if you go back to the list of three that I was making, right? So number one was we said, look, there is a lot of innovation that's already happened in things like Wi-Fi, for example, right? So what we are really doing is we, we're we not creating on radios. It's off-the-shelf baseband. So you basically we take you know, modern Wi-Fi systems, and in particular... Mu MIMO based, which is basically means multiple streams can be combined at the same time and propagated. So we get radios off the shelf. We don't create any of that stuff. And that's, you know, $10, mm-hmm. you got radio. We said, okay, so we've now aligned ourselves with a consumer roadmap so that we don't have to worry about radio technology. That's, that's going to be 10 bucks, Qualcomm, Marvell, Someone's done Qualcomm. The work here. They're, and not only they're spending billions every year doing this stuff continuously, right? But, and because the volumes are so high, the effective cost is, is de minimis. So that makes a lot of sense. And you could have picked two paths. You could have gone LTE or you could have gone Wi Fi in terms of radio technology. Wi Fi made a lot more sense to us just because you can pump a ton of data through it. So, mm-hmm. if, so you can pump gigabits I mean, you know, even a home consumer router can pump out a gigabit or 1.6 gigs, right? So that was one. So that was like a huge check mark for us saying, you know. So that was a technical thing that we had to prove to ourselves. Could we actually take uh, off, Wi-Fi, the tech. off the shelf, off the shelf, and run it and up convert, down convert in in high frequency bands without distorting the thing. So that was that was one. So that we proved that. So that got us off the. I got to spend hundred million dollars in developing radio technology off the thing. Second, then became primarily about a making sure that any consumer device we build was self-installable. Right. So you get out of the landlord problem and you'll have to come up with various iterations of the landlord you
0: know, problem and also you don't want to be rolling out trucks to my house, right? You or more to- importantly,
1: dealing with landlords who effectively become the road gatekeeper in, in there, right? So you had to have a self install strategy for apartments, and then you have to have a easy to install by a commercial installer like a Direct TV or a Dish Network type of guy, uh, for you know more suburban or higher structures like that. Right. So so that's relatively easy to solve for once you've kind of figured that out. And third, where we spent a lot of energy in terms of solving the problem was, so going back to this question that you asked, the historical view is point-to-point works, point-to-multipoint and attenuation is too hard and, and you really can't make it work. So we sort of stepped back and said, you know, if we know point-to-point works. How about we create a highly dense sector switch system so that it, simul- it looks like to the airwaves. Essentially, it's a point-to-point system. But from a deployment characteristics, it's a point-to-multipoint. And that's where this active phase ray that we built comes in. And, and the easiest way to think... I'm waving
0: about, a white flag here because all this now I'm gonna, is, is I'm completely gonna beyond me. I'm going to condense this. So the easiest way to think about it
1: is you've got, let's say you've got a, a small battery, right? And you're powering a light bulb with it. Now, as you go further away, because it's distributing energy everywhere, it drops off relatively
0: Just like my Wi-Fi signal does the farther away I'm moving. So now if you
1: take that beam and you think of it as a laser, a really coherent source, right? For the same amount of power, you can shoot the beam a much, much greater distance. The problem is it's a narrow beam. So now you have to build a system that can effectively paint an entire picture, if you will, in space and direct the energy wherever it needs to based on kind of which packet is going where, but it's doing it in in very, very narrow things. The net result of that is you get a lot more effective power distribution-wise.
0: So let's stipulate that all this is going to work the way you say it's going to work. Uh, <laughs> We've uh, been running technical so tests I, in Boston. I have many questions. First of all, was this the thing you thought I want to do uh, as soon as Aereo was, was done or on its way out, or were you playing with other ideas? No, this was uh, kind of the, the big one. Uh, and was this something you were thinking of while you were doing Aereo? Because it, it seems, and we'll talk a bunch about Aereo, but it seems like this is would have occurred to you while you were doing Aereo, that while we were fighting the TV guys, you also had an issue with the broadband guys. Exactly.
1: So so the the thinking was, even in those days, we're like, okay, we don't know how and when this is going to get solved, but the access network piece has to get worked on at some point. Just because whether we succeed at area or not, or somebody else does long term, you're going to have a problem where the guy who controls the pipe is effectively going to set the policy for what you get, where and how.
0: Right, which we're seeing parts of now. Which
1: you're beginning to see and you know, whether it's you know Comcast charging or not or et cetera, et cetera, things like that.
0: So when you started Area, you knew from the get-go and you said as much, you said we are gonna be in court, we're gonna spend a bunch of time fighting the networks who own the programming, they're gonna claim we don't have the right to do what we're doing, which you were taking programming off the airways and saying everyone has the rights to this, we're gonna distribute this stuff over the internet. The network said you didn't. They won in court, but you knew from the get-go you were going to be in court there. You knew that in addition to whatever technical problem you had to solve, you were going to have a legal battle, and it was right. probably going to be binary. In this case, you've got the technical issue to solve. What are the regulatory and or legal issues you're going to solve? Face well, there here? are no real legal issues in this, right? It's,
1: it's right, No one's going to
0: sue you for distributing internet this time around.
1: Well, I think I find that hard to right. believe, almost impossible, uh, because obviously there's, you know, the internet doesn't belong to a right. entity, right? You okay. buy access through a... So that,
0: that is not part of your plan.
1: That is not part of the plan. I think the challenges here are going to be much more execution-oriented, just because this is not easy, obviously, right, and in building things out. And we, we did a lot of this, hard, the hardware area where we were doing city-by-city city systems. Uh, it was a much bigger scale in terms of... So just to put it in context, a single area system was 20 feet by 10 feet by... Eight feet, right? So this, was, is this array a of giant, micro antennas. Exactly. It was a giant thing and it weighed like six tons and we had to have a crane and all this other stuff. These things we you know, we learned a lot from that and we realized that you know success will be requ- it'll be required that we have a deployment model built in day one that is efficient, compact, small. Low power, low zero, or very limited zoning requirements. You know, and and focused on where these this equipment is already pre-zoned for. Right, so so rollout is a built into the the technology. We but, learned a lot from that.
0: But you can't just set up internet, right? Someone generally, right? The FCC has something to say about that. No, no. You can you can just go into to there's Brooklyn two and start gu- selling FCC absolutely. without any governmental uh, yeah, sign absolutely. off, as
1: long as the equipment is certified by the FCC and you're not causing interference and various other things like that. As long as you're buying access from you know pick your you know fiber provider, Cider or, or Level Three or whatever. Of course, I mean there's about over two million customers in the country today that use what is called WISPs, which are wireless internet service providers.
0: So there's no, because what I was thinking about when you were doing your presentation this morning was, I remember when Verizon started to do its rollout and it had to go to every town and wanted to supply uh, cable and broadband service and go through this lengthy process involving multiple sort of city bodies and Time Warner Cable or Cablevision, whoever the incumbent were there, would, would try to slow it down with various means. You're not going to encounter that problem, yeah. Because
1: so there's a distinction between kind of when you use public right of ways and are mm-hmm. you franchising? Right. In this case, laws. you're not We're digging not using roads. Using there's a, no public right of ways. We're not you know, attaching to utility poles. We're not doing it. It's a private transaction between a you know cell. So cellular operates very differently than you know cable does. I mean, and so you, you, the question by extension you can ask right if a phone's giving you an LTE signal, that's giving you quote unquote internet, and there's no none of the you know franchising things come into this.
0: I'm sure you've gamed this out. What do you imagine the complaint is you're going to get from the incumbents, whether it's Comcast or Charter I, or Time Warner Cable? I don't
1: or, know. You don't know? I, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, hey, you know, I think it's in their best interest. I mean, if I'm writing a playbook here, right, here's a small innovative company that, you know, is not going to come in tomorrow and change the entire world. Comcast isn't going out of business, right? It is better for them to have a few small competitors in the market so that the government is satisfied and the FCC looks at it and say, you know, this is a good thing. People are getting choice. We're not toppling any kingdom over right now, right? So, So I think it's better to let this play out and, and see how it develops.
0: Chet, this sounds too good to be true. So This cool. is hard work. Yeah, all right. We'll, we'll, we'll explore this in a second. Uh, first of all, I want to tell folks about Code Media 2016. It's exactly this kind of conversation. In fact, we had Chet at one of these events a couple of years ago, and that was a lot of fun. This year's event is February 17th and 18th. It's in Laguna Niguel. I should start thinking some questions for our guests, because they include people like Jessica Lesson from The Information, John Skipper, who runs ESPN, Nigel Echoes, who runs FanDuel. Here's what Chelsea Handler said when she appeared last year. I have attention. I was on TV for seven nights a week for seven years. It was too much attention. I wasn't excited to see me anymore, so I could only imagine how other people felt. (laughs) That was fun. Code Media brings together more than 300 of the most influential people in media and tech for two days, full of candid, unscripted conversation and valuable networking opportunities. You can find out more at recode.net slash events. See you there. All right, Chet, I was referencing... uh, your appearance at, at one of our conferences a few years ago is you on stage and everyone in the audience I think was suing you already. At the <laughs> time. Uh, it was great that you came out. Um, so, but you don't anticipate that happening this time out. You don't think that is going to be the hurdle. You think you've solved the, all the hurdles already, basically. No, I
1: think this is much more of a, Technological hurdle, and then it's going to be you know cost reduction, quality deployment. I mean, this, building out these things is, is th- that's where I suspect a lot. Well,
0: why, since the market for broadband is so big, and again, controlled by a handful of incumbents who essentially have monopoly. Why hasn't someone tried a version of what you're doing already? I
1: think you're beginning to see it. Uh, I think you, you're seeing this in rural areas, which is where a lot of the WISPs are. Uh, I mean, my understanding is Verizon's testing a few things that are in the you know 28-ish gig band, but they're running LTE and that for fixed wireless. I, I think it's it's happening in, in bits and pieces in pockets. Nobody's really done it in the technical way that we are proposing to do it. Uh, and the efficiencies that come with that. But I wouldn't be surprised that if this isn't going to happen, and, you know, whether we do it or not, in the next you know, three to five years. Why
0: do you think Google, who has a lot of really smart people and essentially unlimited resources, has tried tackling this through a very conventional means, through fiber?
1: I think if you're a purist, and I have a great deal of respect for that team, and I think you know and, and good guys, but if, if you take the wipe the slate clean and you say, you know what, I want to build out the best network possible that's ever, ever expandable, I think, and if you have all the resources and time in the world, and don't face the regulatory problems that naturally come with that, you would build a fiber network unquestionably.
0: That's the best possible way to deliver high speed, meaning
1: for future proof forever Mm -hmm. and ever. Right? That's the conventional wisdom. If I light, you know, X strands of fiber in somebody's home, I'm all set. And in parallel, there's been this sort of perception that said uh, wireless is good for coverage but not for throughput. Right, because people have always thought of wireless in the sub five gigahertz range.
0: Coverage versus throughput means what?
1: Coverage meaning a wireless signal will perme- go far, but the effective bit rate or the throughput you're going to get out of that is going to be small. So, and as especially as more people share, right? So that's been sort of the conventional sort of wisdom around this whole thing. And we looked at it and say, you know, we don't have the resources of a Google to sort of think in fiber terms. And frankly, I'm, I'm not convinced that that's the world we're going to be in largely because I want to take a, not just a U.S. centric view, but long term. You know, I don't see anybody digging up ditches in New Delhi or or Mexico City or anywhere else. Wireless infrastructure has to sort of, I mean, this is what happened on landlines. You know, people leapfrogged. They went to mobile phones, et cetera, et cetera. So we said, you know, why don't we try to solve the hard problem, i.e., can you take, I mean, and, you know, people sort of forget that ultimately airwaves behave essentially as coax does, effectively speaking, right? You're essentially modulating the same signal, it's same number of, you know, the way you think about it. The difference being in coax, you're running a six megahertz channel then you combine eight, 10 of them. And in wireless and millimeter waves, you can run 200, 500 megahertz channels because the higher up in the frequency you are, they're dirt cheap. And Uh, it's it's effectively free bandwidth that you get at at those. Every
0: every time we veer into Hertz or Waves, I feel like I should just hop out because there's a line (laughs) of people who can ask much better questions than I can about this. I'll ask one that I understand. If you succeed, and you talked about the international implications, but let's bring it back to the US. If you succeed and I can buy internet from you instead of having to only rely on time Warner cable in my area of Brooklyn, what does that mean? What's the practical effect of having you show up in the market?
1: So I think it's going to have an effect on pricing. Uh, and I think people saw this even in limited scales at, when in Google fiber markets where, you know, time Warner immediately. And this announced higher speeds. And that's partly why, you know, if we wanted to roll out something that was like 5 or 10 megabits, that's a different set of technologies that are relatively trivial and off the shelf, right? We wanted to make sure that we built something that even at these early stages, we could demonstrate a gig. Mm-hmm. And then have a strategy towards getting higher than a gig.
0: So you're gonna you're gonna force Time Warner Cable to lower the price and or increase raise the speed. amount of service. Uh, um, it's
1: not the question that I'm gonna force them or not. I think that's just a competitive dynamic, mm-hmm. right? Uh, some people will be happy with coax or whatever it is, or some will you know if there's fiber available. I'm sure people might bias towards that, and some will say. You Know this is a better solution because it comes, it's better economics. And do
0: you want to be in the content business as well? Most of those guys uh, sell broadband, which is very high margin, and they sell uh, video services, they sell cable TV, which is also a good business but less of a good one. Do you want to get into that video business eventually and sell nah. stuff? No, no, no.
1: You, you, we didn't been, want to be in that there. business in even area, right? You, you, you've <laughs> been there.
0: So to me, if I'm the cable companies, if I'm in the telcos, I've been saying, all right, cord cutting and cord shaving, and it's, it's worrisome. It's it's cutting into that core business. But look, fundamentally, and Wall Street has agreed with this thinking. It's okay because, frankly, if I just become a broadband company, this is what Comcast now says they are. That's great. That's a super high margin business. And again, I've got a monopoly, or at worst, a duopoly. Oh, here's Chet Kanoja again. Um, he says this time i can't sue him I gotta buy him i got I gotta get you off the map because you 're more disruptive maybe this time out than you would have been last time had you been successful
1: uh, i don't think so I mean I, I hope the effect is that people go back to their core competencies you know very easily whenever there is any kind of a reaction uh, My guess is what's going to happen is this is going to say hey, we can provide a better product we're going to sell you a gigabit I mean today sure Comcast sells you 300 meg, but right you know it's three-year contract and, you know, $600 install fee, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all that stuff. And I think those will change. And uh, look, the market isn't necessarily just against COAX here, right? The market is also against where you're looking at DSL only. I mean, give mm-hmm. or take, what, 28 million customers, right? That's an interesting market. You're looking at small businesses, not enterprise, but, you know, what I'll call main street awning businesses, right? Where they're today, I mean, they can buy a square register to make it, Right, but they don't qualify for a
0: time Warner cable business account or it, exactly because that
1: business account costs you thousand dollars a month or eight hundred or six hundred dollars a month, right And their chart it's essentially the same product. So I think there's a lot of sort of different
0: market dynamics. Sp- speaking of pricing, you guys didn't mention pricing. You said it'd be competitive or I think you'd serve, serve it as a fraction of a, a piece. The pricing's up to you. Why not go out and tell us, look, we're going to deliver this many gigabits, this much speed at this much price to you when we start in Boston?
1: Uh mainly because the math hasn't done yet. How, can, I the hope ma- How can the math not be done yet? <laughs> uh, uh, I'll answer the question. So so think about it, like technically what's happening, right? So the cost of putting a wire in the ground, the cost of the wire, maintenance of the wire, all that is going away because it's a wireless yeah. wire effectively, right? But really what's happening is a lot of that complexity, which the f- wire provides you technically for free, is getting built into the equipment. Uh-huh. So we have a pretty decent handle on one part of the equipment in terms of costs now we're entering mass manufacturing planning on those things so we're trying to sort through what is that residual cost? I
0: cannot like? believe that you got money from Barry Diller and KKR <laughs> and George Soros, and they asked you about pricing. You sort of shrugs. Ah, I don't know. Oh, you'll be surprised. Yeah, they just took a flyer on it.
1: No, I don't think they took a flyer. I think they, everybody understands ballpark where it's going to be. Let me go at it. Yeah, let's. So give us the
0: ballpark. What's what's the ballpark? I'm paying Time Warner Cable around fifty bucks for fifty megabits right now. What, what are you going to say? In a me promo rate, something like that. Yeah. yeah,
1: so it'll be better than that. It's better than that.
0: Saying, yeah. Okay. And the reason you spent much of today's presentation talking about the router instead of sort of the service and the markets and when you're going to be there is
1: sequencing things out more than anything else I think we we were uh, so it was a really interesting question that you know we asked ourselves. We think we can create two really, really cool things here the one we don't want to do one because of the other we want to you know I think standalone consumer electronics is great, but I think you you want to augment that with other things. So the question, honestly, in our mind was, you know, are these two separate companies? Do we combine them? How do, how do we sort of think about it? And you know, the more I talked to a lot of my friends that are in the cable business as well, and, and everybody said, look, no, if you're going to do it, you've got to sort of have a whole stack. Because we are realizing that we built in modems and access points together, and we realized that they were fundamentally different cycles so we end up getting stuck with crappy modems which basically means service calls which basically means unhappy customers and it's no fault of our ours and i believe them i mean it, you know uh, cable plans relatively stable right mm-hmm. once once it's all, especially the data part of it the video may not be and so we decided that we were going to do it all together And then the question was, would you retail it out separately or not? And and I think the universal conclusion was we should, because it's a really good product. And And to be clear, I
0: I had this question um, and you guys answered it, but we'll tell everyone else here. This router you brought out, it's $350. It will work even if I don't use your, your absolutely.
1: Broadband. Even if you don't use our broadband, you can plug it into Time and it'll cable do these magical things, right? And it's got you know all the IoT Internet of Things built mm-hmm. in and Bluetooth, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, a bunch of other things, and that you know is a separate category in itself. So we decided that you know what, it makes sense to kind of as a way of getting our brand out there and, and getting our name out there, and, and you know we think it's a great product. We all want. I would want something like this in my house, even if I didn't have my internet connection. So why not sell it?
0: So. The lead of the story I wrote about you today was that you, your last company failed spectacularly. <laughs> you tried to take on the, the TV business, and, and they won. They, you lost in the Supreme Court, ended up in bankruptcy protection. What did you learn from that experience? A lot of good things, some bad things. A, that, that I think our team was capable of
1: producing a really complex product and brought it to time to market in time. This was the first time I'd done anything related to hardware, so that was sort of a very new experience, but Joe obviously had done some of How to sort of deal with sort of city-by-city city deployment models and things like that. So I think all of those, I think we understood, also learned in a positive way that you know if you have a good idea and you can execute, there are sources of capital, people will support you because that's the purpose. Uh, the negative, or, or the, I guess the warning or the question we learned was, you know, and I think uh, it's interesting to see a lot of companies you know, whether it's uber or Airbnb they've all sort of they skirt around or they've been in gray areas or they've run a of regulations but nowhere have they run, run a file of a single clear demarcation point which could be a binary outcome mm-hmm. and I think if Aereo had not had that binary one or the other you know it was a steadily ramping up business it was it was great in that sense but whereas all these companies where they end up in a you know
0: Uber's not going to go out of business because they lose the Supreme Court ruling tomorrow.
1: They're not going to get to there because the regulations are state and, and city and things like that. There's no single federal law, right, that can dictate that outcome, right?
0: You guys kind of like that idea then when you started, we did. You said, yeah. This is ultimately will be binary. We think we've got a great case. Would you have done that differently, or I guess you, there's no way to have done that business? No, no so no, you no. had there, to do
1: it. I think it was. And I, and, uh, you know, nobody likes to lose. You know, I'm not sitting here claiming that it was fun to lose. Uh, there was a lot of drinking involved afterwards, uh, but. Look, it was it was worth a shot. And I think each one of my investors felt the same way as I did. It was, you know, we thought we had a good case. We thought we were right, and we kept winning all the way to the Supreme Court, right?
0: W- one of your investors said, well, one of the problems we had was we knew and thought we were going to end up in the Supreme Court. We got there much faster than we did. We wanted to sort of build out a much bigger business and go and been in many, many, many more cities and states. I don't really understand how that would have helped you legally, but they... Oh, it does. To, yeah. So let me
1: give you an example, right? Sony Betamax was a great example. The first time when the case was heard... Uh, they didn't decide. They sent it back to be reheard till the ninth justice came, which is Justice O'Connor came in. And, you know our sort of sense was that hate, the court hates novelty of any kind, right? Their their goal in life, it's, at least from I mean, obviously I'm not a Supreme Court justice, but you know, the goal seems to be keep the band aids along, you know, keep, mm-hmm. keep status quo, keep things moving the right way. And right or wrong, we were. Challenging the status quo, we thought, for the right set of reasons, and, and obviously the other side And you didn't. thought if
0: we could have said, look, we're in 48 states. And, and the states.
1: NFL has not yet taken it off the air. So the, all the grandiose pro- proclamations you're seeing from all All the harm people, we're going to we do, we haven't right? caused I mean, Literally, the briefs were, right? there will be no Super Bowl next year, right? I mean, that was kind of the, the, I mean, and as much as I disagree with the decision, I understand that a statement like that has an effect on people, right? So so that was the, I, I So you wanted to end
0: up making that argument two or three years down the exactly.
1: road. Exactly, and if you look at one of the opinions in the Sony Betamax case, it literally does say that I have a hard time, one of the justices, I forget, I think maybe it was Justice O'Connor or John Paul Stevens. It was, I have a hard time believing that two million Americans every day infringe.
0: What did you think when you were in the Supreme Court? I I, I went and watched. and you Actually, sort of had to hear most of the hearing because you don't have a direct sight from the press box. <laughs> well, it was me. It's one of the coolest things I've ever done professionally is, is attend that hearing. Um, what was that experience like for you?
1: Uh, it was really intense and and um, eye opening in a lot of ways. Um, um, you think that the system is is totally closed and shut off, and what you don't realize is the process of lobbying and sort of structural influence that goes in, and for good and bad, all, all kinds of reasons, in how different agencies interplay. And, and, and the amount of sort of work that goes into
0: that is and when you, absolutely amazing. When you're at the hearing itself, did you have a sense of like, oh, I don't think this is going well, or I think actually that, that's well. I Like what Ginsburg said, I like what Sotomayor said, she said Roku, that sounds good. <laughs> uh, uh, did you have a sense either during the hearing or immediately after that went well or that didn't go well? You know, our our Supreme Court counsel had
1: had sort of warned me that, you know, reading tea leaves out of justice's comments is like just a bad idea. Uh There's plenty of cases which have gone absolutely the opposite way. But I I did thought uh, sitting there that there were some really, really obvious signs towards, okay, they understand some of those issues. I guess I missed the most obvious sign, which was, it was interesting, right? The way they framed it was like, oh, they're like a cable company. Right. As opposed to saying they are a cable company. and Which was a really interesting thing because they, they took it as a, at least the the majority opinion was, specifics don't matter what it appears. yeah Which was kind of like a strange thing to me. But maybe I'm an engineer, so I, I think of it like, how could your specifics not
0: matter? Yeah, I, the vibe I got was they didn't like... That you seem to have tried to build a business around a loophole, except but, that that's the whole purpose of law, is yeah, it, Right. I mean, in the Supreme Court it's cases, certain, in it's which, certainly uh, argument, but they they all seem to have a general vibe of like, eh. and then the one question is: is is there a way that this that we can allow this to work, or, or do we have to pull it off? But I was surprised at the dissent, so I had no idea walking out of that
1: courtroom that. Justice Scalia was going to write a dissent. And, and did you
0: have and and when the ruling came down and the, the, you guys made a sort of last ditch effort to become a cable company? Did you think that had a real chance of success, or was that just literally a little bit of hail mary?
1: Uh, I don't know if you've seen now lately. I, I forget if the rulemaking is public or not yet, but the FCC decided that it was high time that they made OVDs MVPDs. Right. So no, it wasn't a last effort. I mean
0: we you thought we, there was a real chance we, for you to, we to, to make that a,
1: legally successful and then turn that into
0: a business. You thought that could have worked?
1: Definitely legally successful because we had and I think we filed the expartit filings, et cetera, where the commission told us that, you know, this NPRM was in process and we should weigh into it, et cetera, et cetera, which we did, and then the NPRM came out. So we actually made that argument to the court here in New York after the NPRM came out. So NPRM notice of public rulemaking, right? So FCC saying, we think we should make these guys MVPD. So, I mean, I thought it was kind of a reasonable <laughs> legal it's
0: strategy. It's very interesting. It looked for a couple a year or so like you might blow up the the existing TV business and then even when that didn't happen it seemed like in the last year or so things, things have were changed. Gonna, yeah, but it's still it's still very similar to where it was a few years ago and maybe it's that it's happening in, in ways that are harder to measure or maybe it's all about to topple over but it it doesn't look radically different. There are fewer people paying for cable than there were a few years ago, but there's still 90-plus million people paying for, for pay TV. The structure is really roughly the same. TV everywhere is terrible. Um, I either cannot pay for TV or I can pay for TV are still sort of the two binary options. And it all sort of looks the same. Had you succeeded, do you think you would have shaken that up?
1: I don't know, I, because I, I do feel that these changes are generational. None of these happen overnight, because since you grew up with a certain set of products and, and I grew certain,
0: up with three networks. Uh, but you did okay. get
1: used to cable and, yeah. and all these things. Exactly. And once you get used to I think it's so hard to change consumer habits, right? So, so if any company... Uh, I mean, I think that's why you know companies like Uber are like amazing just because they've taught an entire a cross-generational set of people to say, press a button, car shows up, right? And that just speaks to the tremendous convenience of frustration on the other side. But otherwise, it's so hard to change consumer habits overnight. It's a gradual generational process unless the service is so remarkable like a mobile phone. I mean, I think my expectation was it's going to be, you know, we're going to add 100,000 and 200,000. And, and I, I think I was talking to one of the... I forget who it was one of the CEOs of a streaming company he was like look this is how the math works the first year you're going to get 100 150,000 customers the next year you're going to get you're going to double that and after that you basically end up in a doubling game but that's you got to sign up for a 10 year trajectory and i think you know companies like Netflix and Hulu everybody's sort of in that same kind of vein and i don't know if it is because that's the acquisition model of the internet, or I mean, everybody's you know subscriber acquisition cost is kind of the same, and it is because the media is priced that way, mm-hmm. uh, or it's it just some magical law that works out. So I think you, you just have to count on that—that that it's a, you know you get the first ten, hundred thousand, whatever the number happens to be, and then you know you just grow from there.
0: I would love to continue this conversation. People are literally banging on the door to get in and kick us out of the studio. Uh, I was fascinated to watch your last company. I'll be fascinated to watch this one. We'll definitely have you back and talk some more. Great. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Peter. If you enjoyed listening to this interview as much as I did, you should subscribe to the show. You can catch up on previous episodes, listen to future ones, all at recode.net slash decode. You should also know that Recode Decode is twice a week, every Monday and Thursday. We've got a new show. It's called Too Embarrassed to Ask, hosted by Kara Swisher and Lauren Good. Every Friday, Kara and Lauren answer your tech questions and review the latest gadgets, probably like the one that Chet just rolled out. You should check it out. The next episode is tomorrow, and you can subscribe at iTunes.com slash ask. Kara's back on Monday. I'll be here on Thursday with another great guest from the media world. And you should also be joining me and maybe chat at Code Media next February. See you soon. This has been Recode Decode, hosted by Kara Swisher, powered by digital media. For more hard-hitting interviews with insiders from the worlds of tech, media, and politics, subscribe to Recode Replay on iTunes, featuring candid conversations with leading voices like AOL CEO Tim Armstrong, Goldman Sachs' CIO Marty Chavez, the team behind the hit TV show Empire, Shark Tank investor Mark Cuban, and presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. They're all on Recode Replay.